What's up, everybody? It's time for Swedenborg Live. Really excited to get to do a long-form Ask Me Anything style questionnaire with myself and some good friends of mine and expert Swedenborgians. And I'm looking forward to taking a bunch of questions from all of you. Let's introduce who's going to be in the panel tonight. The suspense. Who's got voted off the island? I'm Curtis Childs, and I'll be your host. And joining me is Karadam. Carl, welcome back. How are you today? Thanks. Uh, I'm getting over a cold, so my voice is a little strange, but I'm happy to be here and uh, looking forward to the discussion. I'd say the stranger, the better. Thank you, Cara. Great to have you in your translation expertise with us. Next, we have Chelsea Odner. Hi, Chelsea. How are you? Hey, everybody. I'm one of the lucky ones getting to be here. <laughs> no, um, and uh yeah, I'm doing well, and this we have some snow in our area, so I've gotten lots of nice walks in the snowy woods, which has been really fun. Um, yeah, so I'm happy to be here. That's great. That makes you're like Robert Frost or something. <laughs> I was thinking of that. Wouldn't he do that? Okay. And and finally, we have none other than Karen Childs with us. Hello, Karen. How are you today? Hi, everybody. I'm doing well. So happy to be here. And yes, we're in the the thick of winter here in the Chicago area, but the snow is pretty and I also enjoy going for walks. So glad to be here with you all. Bunch of poets on this panel tonight. Everybody, <laughs> I have a cool announcement to make, which is that we had a very special sponsor of today's show, Mr. Bruce Hanify. And because of Bruce making a $250 donation, you get the games for free at home. We don't have to hit that goal to trigger the games. Bruce has bought us a round of games. Thank you, Bruce. We appreciate it a lot. And as part of being a show sponsor, uh, one of the perks is you get a private session with the panel. So we actually just got done hanging out with half an hour for Bruce and getting to... Um, learn a lot from him and chat with him. It was just a lot of fun. So thank you so much, Bruce, and everyone in the watching this show appreciates you uh, doing us a solid. Um, that doesn't mean that money you donate won't still go towards the mission of the Swedenborg Foundation. So should you want to help us out, it's a simple off the left eye.com slash donate away. And that will help us as a not-for-profit do what we need to do to get this message out to the world and, and hopefully change the world for the better. So that's it. You got to get your questions in. Or we're not going to have any questions to talk about. Also, we have our Thought Brings Presence segment. So if there's anybody you're thinking of who's recently passed away or passed away at any time and, and you are want to just acknowledge that their spirit's still alive and that they're still out there, we'll see them again someday. Get the name of that person and any tribute you want. In the end, Karin will lead us in that section. Okay. Right? I think it's time for us to go. Okay, let's see if we have a first question. I'm going to open up my little chat here. This first one is from Tina Hansen, who asks, In Revelation 10, John is told not to write what the seven thunders are saying. Oh, yeah, we got to start with a good old technical revelation question. What the um, but to write what the great angel is saying. So there is still great mystery. God had not revealed all or he edited. The Swedenborg discussed limitations on his experiences that correspond or have similarities to John's when receiving 
the revelations. Okay. Does, yeah, is Swedenborg, is it full access or did he ever get uh, a classified label on things that he couldn't share with us? Karen, what do you think? Yes, absolutely. Um, God is careful with what he reveals when, because it's um, important that we be ready for information collectively and individually ready for information, for truth, um, just like you for yet or something. So uh, yes, um, Swedenborg was sometimes told not to reveal things <laughs> that he learned. He has sometimes written in his writings here and there, like, but I'm not allowed to say more about this or not allowed to, to write about this. And as far as that part in the book of Revelation, we actually have a show. Uh, I think it's called The Mystery of the Seven Thunders, in which Swedenborg was allowed to tell what those thunders were saying. <laughs> and he wrote that it was information about the, the full identity of the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, who, who the Lord Jesus Christ really is. And he wrote that in his little book called The Lord. And so you can check out that that show. Um, but the answer is yes, there is uh, editing. And also Jesus um, said while he was on earth, I have many things to say to you yet, but you cannot bear them now. Um, so there is timing is important as to when things are are revealed. That's a great point, Karen. And I looked it up. It is called The Mystery of the Seven Thunders, Swedenborg in Life, if anyone wants to go and watch that episode. Cara, what, what's on your mind? Uh, yes, I too, I'm thinking of uh, several places where Swedenborg says, I'm not allowed to say anything else. One of those places is when he's talking to angelic wives and he's just not allowed to talk about what the discussion was. So that's so fascinating. And also just a word that he uses over and over again throughout his 30 volumes is ineffable, which means completely indescribable, unable to convey what's going on here. So plenty of mystery left, that's for sure. And I'm remembering that our good old Dr. Jonathan Rose's wife wrote a fascinating paper. I forget the title, but it was called things unsaid in Swedenborg or something. And it was, it was a really interesting look at what Swedenborg does not say. <laughs> I, think when, I was thinking of the same thing, Cara. And I think that is uh, what Emanuel Swedenborg's writings say they cannot say. Uh-huh. Like that, that, it was something I, I want to say, maybe that was published in New Church Life, but. Um, I, I think it might've been man, for a, a women's symposium or something. Oh, okay. I'm trying to. It might Look be it up. Somewhere. Yeah. But I remember looking at that. It's really interesting. It's it's totally something to study because there's a lot of times that Swedenborg describes sort of uh like you said, Kara, ineffable, often just the upper realms of heaven, you know, when he describes that things are more about feeling than they are about intellectual thought and thought constructs. And so that so much of revelation is actually nonverbal and felt is, is something I have in my mind from, I think, reading that study. Nice. And, and there's, I'm thinking of a place right now where he's describing some story in the word that is like an emotional story. I, I forget what it is. And he says, 
the correspondence of the story is the emotions it's talking about. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, somehow it's just like the feelings that are beyond words sometimes that is the message. Yeah. What is it that you've done to me? I believe it's Pharaoh. No, somebody's saying, what is this you've done to me? Maybe it's Joseph. And that's that's the emotion that was stuck in my mind. I think people can look the it correspondence up. Correspondence is the feeling. Yeah, is that that the feeling that Joseph had was the same feeling that Jesus had when he realized that some of the stuff that he learned wasn't going to be able to travel the distance with him, or something like that. Mm-hmm. So there was that there was that emo- same emotion tied the two together. Nice. Um, I gotta say something. Thanks to Jonathan, we're on the board. We have a donation come in from Jonathan. We appreciate it very much. And then Myra made a donation as well. So they both realize that your dollars go just as far now towards helping the mission. If any of you want to add to our our unnecessary but very much appreciated um, donation total here, it's offtheleft.com slash donate. And oh, Mira gave in honor of Robert. She said, goodbye, Bob. I'm happy that you were here and I got to meet you. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Thank you for, for sharing the, the memory and, and the, the still continuing legacy of Bob here. We appreciate it. Okay. Let's do another question. Oh, Karen, did you want to say something else? Oh, just a last comment that you, um, you guys were touching also on there's, there's something Swedenborg was not permitted to write because we're not quite ready yet, but but you were also touching on sometimes he just couldn't put it into words. And I, there was a, a, a interesting thing in heaven and hell I came across where he was saying he would be raised up into a higher level of consciousness and it would all be so clear. And then he was, he was frustrated. <laughs> the translation said, but I resented when I was back in my earthly mind, I couldn't, I couldn't recall it enough to write it down. So <laughs> there are things that are just on a higher level. We might have to wait till the afterlife to really get those things. There's also a number of times in his journal of spiritual experiences where he is censoring particularly disturbing things. He'll say, I, I'm not permitted to describe something hellish because it might give people ideas. A couple of times he says that, or or it's, or it's just too, I, I can't describe it because it was too negative. So he he has that as well as sort of the, both ends of the spectrum that are out of bounds uh, for, for us as readers. Um, so when we were hanging out with our sponsor, Bruce, earlier, I remember thinking, I wonder if I should ask him how to pronounce his last name because I'm going to say it later. And I, there was two ways I thought you could say it, but I thought, no, I think I've got it. I'll just go with it. Turns out I was wrong. It, uh, it's really Hannah Fee, not Hannah Fi. I was just going with my pronunciation of Spotify. But I think that the lesson <laughs> is that no matter who you are and how you support the Swedenborg Foundation, you're not safe from my mispronunciation machine. <laughs> Let's go to question number two. This is uh, John Bishop who asks, and, and yeah, and if you want to know how to get your question to the front of the line, look how he opens with it. I totally agree with what Curtis shared earlier, <clears throat> that we all undergo spiritual crises in order to grow. Curtis, can you help us come to terms with millions of souls 
lost in a tragedy like the Holocaust. Mm. So, yeah, if there, it seems like if we're talking about, oh, the hard things in your life help you grow, other things that are, are beyond that, and how, how do you process something at such a massive scale in which it seems like there was just so much annihilation rather than growth. So uh, what do we think? Yeah, Karen. Well, the, uh, the crises like that, which is some people doing terrible things to other people, are never in God's plan. Um, but God makes sure that good can eventually come out of it. I remember in Howard Storm's um, near-death experience, he specifically asked God, what about the Holocaust? And he was shown that the people who were being killed were immediately being welcomed by the angels and comforted and, and healed. Um, so he was being given the perspective that, that the people that on this side of things did go through terrible things, they were very immediately um, cared for and healed on the other side. So that was not going to permanently damage them in any way. You know, the, the spiritual damage would be on the people who do the atrocities rather than who um, are the, on the receiving end. Um, and I think that spiritual crises, Curtis has talked about this before, when we have a, a spiritual crisis that's on a big scale and collectively we become aware of it, um, that can help us spiritually grow as a human race because we do see the the harm, the, the consequences, we do have to wake up to some things and it does advance us, you know, in our, in our consciousness about what is and is not okay. And what is, and is not, um, you know, acceptable. And, um, so I think that's one of the things going on when we have things, what, once we wake up, we are, the spiritual growth is we are realizing that's horrible. We have to not do that anymore. And there comes a new um, conviction to stop that kind of thing. So those are my thoughts about collective spiritual growth. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't mean we're not trying to say, oh, well, look, this, this, this terrible thing happened, but now we know not to do terrible things anymore. So we're even God is bringing all kinds of good out of everything, but it's, I think it is fair to point out one thing one effect of terrible things coming to pass is here we are and we're talking about the Holocaust as something we need to steer away from and, and process. How could this happen? It's, it's left an imprint on, on people that, yeah, as you were alluding to, that's one thing that God is doing. But I think there, there's a full picture that if we got it all, then we would feel like, okay, I can get it. But certainly it's, it's a scale that can overwhelm any one individual. Um, anything else about that, Cara or Chelsea? No? Okay. We'll, we'll go on to our next. Oh, I was going to say John gave. Thank you, John. We're up to $85 raised that will go to the mission of the Swedenborg Foundation. Off to leftdie.com slash donate is the place to put yourself on the wall of fame over there. Wayne King, this is question three. Wayne King asks, what? Why are most different about what happens when people pass over? What is most different about what happens when people pass over? So are there, is it the same for everybody or can things change? Is it a customized experience? Uh, 
um or will will i not will some people like it more than others what, what's what's up for mm. variation chelsea do you have a, a thought yeah in a recent um uh podcast episode of the nce spotlight i was really struck by some numbers that jonathan shared um from passages of uh, i think it was probably secrets of heaven volume three uh about our ability one of the most striking differences of the afterlife from here is that we can understand ourselves fully angels have this ability to even reveal the deepest parts of our memory so that things can lay before us in such a way that we can see and understand sort of what was really going on um in our lives here so it's like and i remember we were reflecting on this Curtis and that sort of fresh in my mind of like, in this world, we are so uh, slowed down or and impaired by really not knowing what's really going on for other people, you know, or even in a situation who, who did what, you know, in a crime situation or something like that, we can't know the truth. But in, in the other world, there's, we aren't impaired by that anymore. Everything is, um, can be understood and then so even we can wonder about ourselves like why did i do this thing or why did why did things happen like that that there's uh in in the afterlife there is this ability um for angels to draw up in our memory is how swedenborg describes it and be able to even look at and reflect our purposes so that we can even understand ourselves better and understand other people better and that that whole uh it I think it is sort of intuitive and yet we just don't get that luxury while we're in this world. You know, we can only, we have to speak to communicate with each other. I mean, that's another example is language, you know, being able to just telepathically essentially communicate with one another that is inherent in us. And yet it becomes the way that we operate um, in the afterlife uh, that that's different from this world. So those are just a, a couple of things that came immediately to mind. Excellent. Very, very important things. Um, yeah, I feel like what just jumping off of what you're saying there, like clarity might be the biggest difference between this life and that life. I think the afterlife, you really, as you're saying, you gain clarity about who you are, but also the whole heaven and hell thing is everybody getting to opt into what they love to do and where they love to be and be around people like that. So you can get this clarity of knowing who you're dealing with that here. It's all a mystery. Can I, can I trust this person? Is this the right place for me to be? Whereas there it's, you get, you know, that the very seat in the room that you're in is the one divine providence. Well, is the one that the Lord is, is putting you in the, the providence is operative in a different is able to be operative so much more directly there. And you know what people you know people are about. Somebody comes up to you and starts talking to you, you can tell what kind of person they are, like right off the bat. So that clarity could be really nice. And before I kick it to Karen, I gotta say the, the donations are going crazy over here. Thank you, everyone. We've got Ellen who made a contribution. Thank you, Ellen. Steven, thank you very much, Steven, for supporting our not-for-profit work. And then Kevin, we're all the way up to a $180 raised. Uh, thank you so much, everyone. Keep them coming, but but we're very grateful for everyone. Uh, Karin, yeah, what were we going to say? 
Wow, thank you everybody for the donations. Um, yeah, kind of uh, along the same lines that you've been saying uh, is that a big difference is we will be able to shed all sorts of stuff that is really very outer baggage that we didn't choose, <laughs> you know, like the condition of our body, our external environmental circumstances that maybe we didn't choose, but we were just saddled with heredity that just is kind of these traits that we struggle with, but we, we just inherited them. There's so much of that, that will just fall away. And as Chelsea was saying, we'll be, be able to be so much more clear on who we really are and what we really want and what we really care about and be freed up to really pursue that um, with a lot less stuff in the way. Doesn't yeah, sound so yeah. bad. <laughs> Dr. Rose likes to say that it's an honest world in the other world. Um, just that who, you know, our, our insides create our outer appearance. So just what you see is actually what you get. And that, that is a really big difference from this world. <laughs> Hey, I want to do a quick commercial break here. Um, we're, I'm going to go to Florida. There's going to be an off the left eye event in South Florida at the end of February, the 27th of February. If you're in the area or you want to come down, we're just we're going to hang out and have a couple hours of getting to meet each other and and do a, a Q and A kind of like this and and just get to connect with folks uh, face to face. So email Tim Bilger about that. It's T-S-Bilger, B-I-L-G-E-R, at Swedenborg.com. We actually have carpools that are going on and uh, discount rates at local hotels for people who are going to be staying there. So if you want to come and hang out, we'd love to see you there. Just get in touch with us any way you can, and we'll direct you to it. But T-S-Bilger at Swedenborg.com for that event. Hope to see you there. Let's do another question. This is from Juan Orozco, who asks... Does Swedenborg mention the nature of Jacob's struggle with God or an angel, which gave him his new name of Israel? The famous name swap. Does Swedenborg comment? Kara, well, lead I, us forward. I just, uh, you know, I did a quick search so I can tell you what I found immediately. Yeah. That um, temptations, right? Spiritual crisis, spiritual trials are what were represented by Jacob, especially when he wrestled with angels, with wrestled with the angels. But then there is a new consolation because by these temptations, uh, a conjunction of good and truth could happen on the earthly level. So uh, that, that um, change of name indicates, as always, a change of state. Uh, from a lower to a higher spiritual state, in a nutshell. Awesome. Yeah. The angels went up, up, up. The angels went down, <laughs> down, down. There's a song about it. <laughs> but that's good. That's great. And it's a universal meaning. And it makes total sense that there's that struggle and then there's the, the communion going up and down. Karen, what do you think? I, I just happened to come across a. a first about this because I was looking for something else about Jacob and Esau to answer someone's question. And I saw a explanation about uh, on the 
on the level of meaning that is about the life and process of Jesus, because Swedenborg learned that the whole Old Testament and all these stories of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, um, they are telling about this inner development of Jesus Christ while he was on earth and the stages he went through to purify and purify and become more and more open to the divine within him. And this uh, was talking about how this story of Jacob wrestling with the angel was actually about when Jesus, uh, Jacob at that point is representing Jesus um, developing or bringing uh, his er more earthly level part of his mind into more uh, being more open to divinity. And that did have to involve a lot of temptations and struggles because he uh, took on and inherited a, a lower mind like all of us have. And there's a lot of negative stuff in there. And so Jesus worked through that, you know, wrestled with that to, to uh, purify that level so that we all could. Uh, but this story was actually representing Jesus in that process. So he's bringing, he's bringing the hells back into order through these struggles. Like he's facing each um, uh, area of hell and, and bring it, bringing it back into order because things had gotten very chaotic. But when he's wrestling the angel, it's actually a glimpse of that. He also had to wrestle with the heavens sometimes, meaning the heavens and even the angels are not perfect. They, they still have, you know, they have imperfections. They have um, things that are not perfectly in order because they are not the divine. They're not God. And so strange as it sounds, this is actually um, a glimpse of that. Sometimes Jesus was uh, wrestling with angels, meaning just the heavens needing to bring those uh, also into better order because the whole spiritual world had to be brought into better order when Jesus was on earth uh, from the bottom of hell to the top of heaven. You know, everything was being um, brought back into order. And through that struggle, like um, Cara mentioned Jesus was also developing further, um, and that's reflected in the name change from Israel uh, to, from Jacob to Israel, uh, uh, a more advanced stage of glorification or purification. Awesome! Thank you, Karen, for those thoughts. Uh, there's there's always these layers of meanings in the word, so it's cool to hear about the different parts of it. And I really love that Jesus had to contend with heaven a bit. I know recently during another Q&A that, that we were doing, somebody asked, well, if there's this equilibrium <clears throat> around you that heaven and hell are causing, does that mean you can never go up? But Because you have to stay in the equilibrium, but it's really that you go up high enough and higher things are the things below you now. So God was so high up, that it was actually the, the highest angels were, were bringing them down a bit. And I kind of like it because if heaven hadn't needed any help after Jesus went and saved the human race, like you were describing, it could be like, look at that. The hell was causing all these problems, but we up in heaven, we didn't cause any problems. So we're, we're look at us. We're so great. But it's like, no, nope, all the glory is God's like God did all the work. Nobody <laughs> in the end didn't need some work done on them. It's, it's kind of nice. Chelsea, what, what do you think? Yeah, um, this is one that this story, I, uh, I just want to see how the question was asked again. Yeah, um, 
what Swedenborg says about it, that it's one of those ones I think of awesome often, and it's connected to what Kara um, was saying about the struggles that we go through. Cause I find myself, there's the thing that Jacob says, which is, I'll not let you go unless you bless me. You know, that's what he's, the way he gets his new name is that he's not going to stop this wrestling until he gets a blessing from the angel. And it might be in that same place you were looking, Cara, but I remember reading uh, what Swedenborg said about it of like, it is when we go through spiritual crises, there is this gift, like what they the state that they create in us is this ability for God to be able to unite goodness and truth together inside of our spirit. Like we need our ego, like our just default nature can be so resistant that it just needs to be shaken up, um, you know, to be able to have, um, you know, a seed germinate in it. You know, if you think of turned earth or something like that. Um, And, and so but when we go through the reality of spiritual crises and like tough times and trials and stuff, inner tur- turmoil and trials, it's, it can be so agonizing and we really, we can feel out of control of the outcome. You know, like it feels like, cause ultimately Swedenborg says those trials, we get led to the point of surrender of total surrender. That's, that's when we actually are victorious. He says, you know, or when it's, when it's good for us is when we've like really surrendered and let go. Like it, and that feels very uncomfortable. And when I found myself in those states, if they are really that or not, when it feels like that to me, I've called on this story because there's that line of like, it can feel like I just want to get out of this situation. Like just, just make things better. I'm done, you know, but um, that message is like, no, I want this to go its full course because I know that there's going to be a blessing at the end of it. And so like, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. It's sort of like a, you know, almost like a challenge, but it really, it's a reminder to me that like, that's really what God's plan is, is like when things are really hard, there's going to be a blessing and you kind of just have to hold on tight and almost sort of refuse to, to give up uh, until you've tasted that blessing, which can feel like, you know, it only, the sweetness only comes after this, you know, bitterness, but, um, so that's one of those like one liners that I've found to be helpful when I'm going through those spiritual struggles is like, I'm not going to let go until you bless me, you know, like trusting there's going to be some blessing that's going to come out of going through this. So. That's great. That's such a cool little mantra. Okay. I'm not going to let go until you bless me. And thinking about the, the love in God saying, I know you really, want to be out of here right now, but I know you wouldn't want to have gotten this far and not get the benefit. It was all for So I'm going to keep you just a little while longer. Thank you to Brian, who's made a contribution and he wrote with it. Thanks for all you do. We're thanking right back at you. (laughs) Um, And we're actually about to answer a question by Brian right after we take a little break to raffle off a very special item. Oh, thanks to Tina as well. Thank you, Tina. We're up to 255 raised. Appreciate it. We will put it to great use to try to get this message out there. As a little thank you from us back to all of you, we now are going to do a special raffle. We've never done a raffle like this before. Has anyone here heard of the Off the Left Eye Experience? 
we are going to be doing this summer a three-day weekend retreat right here by the Off the Left Eye Studios on the campus of Bryn Athen College, where we are going to have a deep dive and get to know all of you. And it's called The Spiritual World Around Us. Spiritual World Around You, Spiritual World Around Us. Anyway, it's going to be the first time we did a virtual one, but this one's going to have virtual or in-person, and we would love to see you there. And what we're going to do is thank, say thanks to all the donors by raffling off a ticket. Okay. So first I want to say thanks to all the donors who donated in the month of January. I think we have a graphic here. Hooray for you. Hey, there you all are. Appreciate it. And now we're going to pick one of you to attend the conference. So as I said, it's called the off the left eye experience, and we are going to be raffling away a digital ticket. So this is access to all the online streaming uh, and recordings of all the talks that are there, $100 value. And if you want to use that to upgrade to an in-person ticket, you can put that toward it. Or if you're already coming, you can either get a refund or you can have that money put into what we're calling the angel fund, which helps with financial aid for people who want to come to the conference. So... Let's see who it is that's going to get it. I mean, I'm excited. I'm nervous. Who's it going to be? Who are we going to see soon? Okay. It is da -da 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 -da. Stephanie Mo Davis is our online ticket raffle winner. All right, Stephanie. So you can join us online or if you want to use that to try to come on out and hang out here in June. Looking forward to seeing you either way. We'll do it again next month. Okay. I think we got to take some more questions. That was fun. Let's do this one is from Brian Kamiski, who asks, I'm doing a sermon about why does God allow suffering? Is there a main idea you could sum up about this to pass along to my congregation? Okay, guys. We got to do something good here. This is going out to Brian's congregation. What does God allow suffering in a nutshell? Gara. Uh, well, I think uh, the last answer, especially how Chelsea posed it, is a good answer. Um, that all spiritual growth um, is kind of dependent on some kind of suffering slash trials, uh, crisis, something of our spirit that doesn't feel good, <laughs> but, but it, it, but it helps us grow always. And there's always, like Chelsea said, holding out for that blessing there, there will be a blessing at the end. And the other thing that comes to mind is, um, that uh, Swedenborg says that, uh, our spiritual freedom, that humans, the spiritual freedom in human beings is like the apple of God's eye. It's, it's his, his highest priority so that he needs to allow us to be free to not choose God. Um, and because otherwise, it, like if he just created us all to love God and be happy, there would be no freedom involved. We'd just be all little heavenly automatons. Um, 
So his allowing there to be choice and rejection of good things causes suffering in the world, but it's because he wants us to be spiritually free. That doesn't mean we're free in every circumstance of our life, but spiritually we have, we can choose how we respond in our hearts to whatever life is serving up. So those are two sad answers. (laughs) I think they're great. And I want to, you're talking about freedom got me thinking about how suffering is connected to freedom in two ways. One, it only came about because we had that opportunity, but it seems like it's only allowed in divine providence to happen if it will somehow lead to greater freedom. Because what Chelsea was just talking about, those spiritual struggles in which there is suffering happening, but the net effect of what the suffering does in there is free us from what these evil and false things that we're struggling with so that you then have a permanent happier state going forward. That's the only, that's the math I think behind suffering. It's a last resort that God will allow only when it will lead to spiritual improvement that infinitely pays you back over the course of eternity. So that's a thought on that. Um, any other, uh, any other thoughts about Karen? Yeah. Do you want to talk about, want to talk about suffering? <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, free will is so important. Now God didn't create suffering. That's very important to know that humanity created suffering because humanity used the gift of free will to gradually over thousands of years, choose more and more self-centered and materialistic focuses, which led to division and greed and all sorts of things. And, and uh, that has culminated in all the kinds of suffering we have. But the thing is, without free will to um, the original (laughs) point of free will is God wants us to choose uh, what we want to do with the gift of life. And you can't separate, uh, you know, to take away the freedom to be mean uh, also takes away the freedom to choose what you want to do with life. I mean, just the freedom, the ability, the human ability to choose what to do with the gift of life um, can't be separated out from you, you could choose evil. Um, so that, that uh, ability to, to think and choose and purposely use life in, in uh, the way we want to do it gives the, the blessedness of heaven, the, the beautiful variety of the ways that people can choose to relate to God and choose how to serve each other and choose how to use their gifts. Uh, that's so important to happiness. Like there can't be happiness if you're just forced into doing something without having any choice in the matter of what kind of relationships you have and what, how you relate to God and what you do with life. So you can't separate out those two. Um, so, uh, as I said, humanity did use the gift of free will to to really mess things up. But since we did do that, um, God is still carefully monitoring things that any suffering that happens, like, like, uh, has already been said here, um, is only permitted if eventually something good can come out of it, some realizations, some growth, uh, some awakenings, um, some convictions to not do something anymore. Um, so, and, and it happens in this life and in the, in uh, the realm, you know, the story of eternity, earthly life is very short. 
And this life can be very hard because of uh, how out of order things have gotten. But we can trust that um, any suffering that happens here will have this uh, blessing in the end, like Chelsea was saying, um, some growth and strength. And when that suffering is gone and the tears are wiped away, as the book of Revelation says, and um, we won't remember the suffering anymore, but the growth and the strength and the blessings will be with us to eternity. A very comforting thought, and I, I that the the tears God will wipe away every tears. Got to be one of my very very favorite parts of the entire Bible. So thank you for bringing up that image. I want to say thanks to donors. Tina, when Tina gave, she did say thank you along with her gift. So we appreciate it very much, Tina. Then we had Christy give, and she said, "So nice to be with you tonight. It's nice to be with you as well, Christy." Rosemary gave after that, and she said, off the left eye, thank you. You have helped me so very much to navigate the sea of grief mm. in honor of Hamilton and Ronnie. Oh. So thank you to everyone. And I think I just saw that Catherine gave as well. And so now we're up to $365 for every day of the year. Thank you so much. Off to leftai.com slash donate to help us as a not-for-profit do what we do. So this is question number six from Matt Klein, who asks, with so many translations of both the Holy Scripture and revisions, does Swedenborg address what deeper meanings are harder to discern or may even be lost with the limits of languages and time? What is it? Schmidt, Schmidtius is the best Bible. Karin, uh, did you have something to say? Um, yeah, I, I don't recall... Swedenborg directly talking about varying translations and things. I know that he learned Hebrew and Greek so he could check in with the original languages. And that was important. Um, but yeah, as far as the deeper meanings are harder to discern or may even be lost. I mean, I know I kind of count on um, checking in with Swedenborg for some uh, significances in uh, a translation of a word. For instance, there's places in the Bible that talk about um, the heart and the kidneys, and and in some translations, since that's uh, you know in the in the original language, saying you know God, <laughs> you know doing things with my heart and my kidneys, and um, that's in the ri original language. But in some translations, I, I guess because that seems just so weird to talk about kidneys, it's translated mind or something else um, that actually relates correspondentially. But um, but uh, I think that, you know, I, I appreciate having um, Swedenborg's information as much as there is there to just learn why it's, it is important to have that be the word kidney. Um, but that said, I, I just feel like we shouldn't worry too much about, do we have, cause some, sometimes people write in and ask what's the best translation and everything. And I think, um, we can get over worried about that. Um, because I think, I feel like any translation has enough there that you could, you could, uh, feel God speaking to you. You know, you, the, the main thing about scripture, um, of correspondences is a, is a important and fascinating uh, knowledge to apply to the scripture there, but the main way you're connecting with God 
uh, as you read the Bible um, is through the emotion that you feel there and and when you feel something's speaking to you. And that could really happen through any translation <laughs> that you're fond of. So I feel like it's kind of a, you know, that it's it's a good and important thing to learn correspondences and what the specific words means. But also, I think we don't need to get too overly worried about it because trust that God can speak to you through the imperfect <laughs> translations. You know, everything in this world is an imperfect vehicle through which God uh, reaches to us. But but God can do that, you know, reach to us through the imperfections of this world. What was that Russell Crowe movie? A beautiful kidney, wasn't it? <laughs> um, hey, I want to say when Catherine donated, she said, in memory of Peggy, uh, in honor of my sister who went to heaven January 19th. Oh. So thank you, Catherine, for, for honoring her here. Okay. Uh, Chelsea, did you have some thoughts on this? Yeah. Um, yeah, I was thinking about how, like, what does the Swedenborg address it? Um, and things be, will be lost with the limits of languages and time. Um, and really, revelation only gets lost with our ability to connect to love and truth through it. Like that's, we, we kind of lose our ability to get the spiritual nutrition that we need from it. Um, and that's, that's what Swedenborg says led to successive revelations in the in the world that the original you know it's just life itself the the world um the natural world around us was the revelation that that the what Swedenborg says the most ancient peoples who lived humans on this planet um that's how they communicated with angels and it was through how they saw what they saw and how they saw this sort of spiritual truth that was communicated to them through what they were witnessing in the world. So the natural world was their revelation. And then, um, and so when that, when that knowledge broke down, then God provided for um, written revelation eventually later and like, and then successively, um, you know, Swedenborg writes that the, the scriptures that we have now the are still functional like we haven't we haven't totally uh lost it or like needed to scrap that and get something entirely new um but i think that's also because according to swedenborg we're living in an era where there is greater spiritual light so that we're actually redeveloping our ability to draw this spiritual nutrition from the world around us and i think from all the you know sacred texts that that exist in all different um, traditions and then ongoing revelation that people, that people receive because there is this development of more, um, uh, you know, inner personal revelation that we receive that that connection um, uh, we're, we're developing our ability to trust that and discern it. And, and that that's, that's healthy for for everybody so anyways just like that i think that's sort of what maybe swedenborg says about it is the way that that um god god is always ensuring that we have functional revelation <laughs> with us and i think we're getting to exist in a time when that's when that's really all over the place we've got it everywhere so uh, yeah i love that chelsea um 
you know, revelation is something that happens inside, you know, the human heart and mind. Words on a page uh, facilitate that. But it's what happens in your heart and mind that is the revelation. But I just can't resist talking to this question from the point of view of working on the translation of Swedenborg. Um, there, there have been many times, or I can remember a, a core time when I was really struggling. I think it was about the word charity, the Latin word caritas, which traditionally had been translated charity. And the New Century Edition translations have done different things with that. Um, goodwill is one translation of it, kindness, uh, neighborly love, there's a bunch. But I, but I had a little crisis of my own spirit about that. Like, how can God possibly put the job of translating some ancient foreign language into words for that is going to apply to everybody? My feeling is that everybody really would be best to be their own translator because language is so individual to each individual. But um, the 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 Bible verse that has comforted me throughout all that work is, I don't know where it comes from, but the line is, God's arm is not shortened that he cannot save. So like Chelsea said, um, we, we've got enough to work with, uh, whatever it is that we have. <laughs> That's great. That's a God's got the long arm, the long arm of God. Take care of you there. I, I feel like we've got to linger on the significance of Swedenborg's nonchalance about translation. That the fact that he was going in depth, verse by verse, laying out the inner meaning of Genesis, and that he never said, Here's the translation that's right where he'll go in and say there's there can be meaning in every little letter of parts of the Bible. The fact that he was so um, uninterested in telling us which translation is right, because got to mean that it's, it's not that big of a deal, what the translation is, that you can get the truth of it from multiple translations. Otherwise, you'd think he would have mentioned that quite a lot. And I know that he was extremely liberal in how he quoted the Bible. As <laughs> I, I know we keep referencing uh, Dr. Jonathan Rose, but he once said something that, that made me laugh <laughs> quite a bit, which was Swedenborg knew the Bible so well that he could misquote it from memory. <laughs> which is not to say that he's misquoting it, but he was perfectly happy. And this is something I learned from you, NZE folks. He was perfectly happy to quote something and that's almost like a paraphrase and list the Bible verses that are quite far apart from each other and say, look, this says this here, that, that even though he was as devoted to the biblical text as anyone who's ever written, we have to, there's got to be something important about the, the lo looseness or the fluidity with which he approaches it. That's got to be something about the nature of how the revelation reaches you. It is individualized or somehow it's robust enough that it will survive any of that. Yeah, Chelsea. Well, just also to comment on that, like another step, the meta moment is the providence, if you will, that Swedenborg, when he lived in the 1700s, was writing at the time when Neo-Latin, and Cara could say more about what Neo-Latin is, but um, 
was the language that people wrote in. I mean, like it's this whole form of Latin that was the way that people wrote books that were going to be put down for posterity, you know, was write it in Neo-Latin. And yet then historically it was like right after Swedenborg's death that the use of Neo-Latin just plummeted. Like it just, like the whole world changed. Nobody learned Neo-Latin anymore. Everybody just wrote and spoke like English became the main language. Uh, like everything it was a huge movement of everybody just starting to translate and publish in local vernaculars, you know? And so people stopped learning Neo-Latin. So the early people who first read Swedenborg's works were people who grew up knowing Neo-Latin, like that was what they did their day school in, you know? Um, and so they, they read Swedenborg's books in that direct language, but for everybody else, to all time, we're having to deal with translating Swedenborg's works. And like, I don't know if that was really what Swedenborg intended, but it's just sort of like, uh, you know, just like, oh man, shucks, like too bad that happened. It's like, it's it's like I finally got all my favorite movies on DVD. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what it is. Yes, and, and Jonathan has said too that uh, similar things happened like with, uh, uh, the Hebrew and Greek of the Old and New Testament, that there were these huge cultural shifts away from everybody just knowing those languages. So, uh, yeah, he has said, as we were, seems to have a, or, or the Lord seems to be, have this thing about staying a little, you know, don't get too comfortable in this language thing, you know. Yes. yes. I think on your toes a little bit. I yes. think it's great, great and important that we don't have access to the original language of. Swedenborg in that same way and that we didn't grow up speaking it because I do think that if if, if he had written in let's say English the, there'd be a tendency to get fundamentalist about what he wrote because there's certain meanings attached to language then which we would we wouldn't realize the connotation now we'd read it through today's lens or we, we'd try to zero in and get a little too granular on it. You have this even with Swedenborg's translations now. People will try to get really literalistic about the words, but I like that it's Latin. So here's Kara's and her team's approximation. But and that's uh, in my humble opinion, it's the best approximation it's ever had. But it's it's a translation, so that's what you have to deal with is this internal revelation when you're reading it. So I think that's good. Right. Yep. Um, Stephanie, thank you, Stephanie. She made a contribution. We are up to $465 raised. Thank you, everyone. That's super nice of you. We we are excited to, to put that to great use. Question number seven, and this will be our last one for the day. Mary Wolf asks, past lives, do we have more than one life? I, know I just have to... Show... No. Yeah. Do I it. just wanted to jump in and say that I have I have little kids who are like in late single digits, I guess you could say. <laughs> um, and I'm just, I'm just in awe as a parent that to them, multiple lives makes the most sense. Like they're, they're the ones who like, right. They're just like, so when I die, will I come back as a blank? Like nobody, nobody's teaching them. The yeah. principles of reincarnation. So I'm just curious as an observer that it's such a, I guess 
I guess I'll, I mean, yeah, I, I wonder about uh, the same way where it's like, oh, you know, the sun rises in the east and it sets in the west. That that must be what's going on, you know, but like you need to get, there's there's deeper information when you understand the nature of the universe or something. And I, and I just wonder about that where it's like, well, if you really think about past lives, does that really go along with a sense of, of a God, you know, so here I am trying to explain this to my nine-year-old, but like God is infinite and uh, there's enough, like God has enough good ideas to never run out of creating more people, you know, and it'd be sort of problematic if you're living multiple lives. Like, what does that mean for different people? Like our lives are eternal and that's enough. And, and it just kind of makes sense to me that, that it, that it has to, and this is what Swedenborg writes is like, it has to start. You got to start with a vessel in the physical world and that's your beginning point. And then you get to grow to eternity and, and his, his, uh, you know, the perspective, what he writes about how we can connect to, like, it makes more sense to me that we have this vast spiritual community network of, of ancestors and connections and spiritual associations that are affecting our lives. So like, in a sense, I was talking to a, a Jewish woman about this sort of Jewish concept of reincarnation that went very similar to like, you know, that you're, you're born with sort of a portion of the soul of one of your ancestors, you know, like how that gets carried on. So there's like, I think there is a way that we're deeply and intricately connected with the people who lived in the past but we are ourselves. So yeah. there's kind of a both and a little bit, I feel like, but it's not, it's not quite like I need to tell my nine-year-old, like, what is she going to come back as when she, when she dies? I don't know. <laughs> so. Grasshopper. Yeah. <laughs> One of my wife's friends was once saying, my wife told me this story that, that one of her friends was saying, hey, do you remember when we were da, 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 and then we did da, 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 and, my wife and her friends were like, that's an episode of the show Friends that you're describing. We we never did that. <laughs> and and that is a little bit, I think, Swedenborg's take on the, the past lives thing is that just that here, as you can see, that you can Im imbue stories. And, and also, my dad, when he was young, was convinced he had fought in World War II because that's what my granddad had done and i think my dad absorbed those stories and when he was a little kid he was like yeah I've been, I've been in the war so you see little flickers and hints there of i think swedenborg's answer to this pretty widespread phenomenon where people will have some kind of memory of a past life is that where that network chelsea was talking about is there and we can get really wrapped up in it um but karen i'll, I'll give you the last word here and then we got to move on to uh, our games and things yeah swedenborg does explain uh the the seeming phenomenon of remembering past lives as you are tuning in to the memories of people you are spiritually connected with who are in the afterlife. And I, I just think it, to, to me coming back and being born as a born as a different person is just a, a chaotic and confusing sort of concept because yeah, what about all these relationships and things? But I think that the thing is each one of us is just so unique and needed as this particular individual that can continue to evolve and unfold and expand forever that we don't need to be anybody else we are 
we are ourselves this unique expression of one of God, you know, one of God's aspects or God's feelings. And we're needed as that individual to keep on expanding forever. And so that's our one life that will keep keep growing and expanding and and uh, be more and more exciting as we go along. <laughs> well, and speaking of lives that, that go on and continue, I mean, this is the spirit of what we're about to do here, which is the Thought Brings Present segment, is that those people that we loved are, are still those people somewhere uh, on the other side here. So let's take a minute to, to talk about those we're thinking of. Yes, we're going to take a few minutes to think about people we we love who are in the afterlife now. And I want to start with a quote from Heaven and Hell 414 that says, people in heaven are continually progressing toward the springtime of life. The more thousands of years they live, the more pleasant and happy is their springtime. So there's a quote about what we were just talking about, that your life can keep unfolding and and increasing in joy forever, <laughs> uh, this, this one life. Um, I want to, before we begin reading the names uh, that were put in the chat, uh, two off the left eye fans and donors passed away this past month, and I want to just give tribute to them. They are Peggy Ann Howland and Kathy Hickok. Um, we just are thinking of you, uh, Kathy and Peggy, as you make your transition and, and wishing you many blessings as you continue your adventure uh, in a new phase in the after life. And thank you so much for uh, just being fans and supporters and just who you are. <laughs> so here are some names of people who are people in our chat today are thinking of with love. So the cube is thinking of Cindy Wade. Cindy passed away 12 years ago, my dear cousin. Samuel Perkins is thinking of Mason Reisdorf. My father passed away a year ago, January 29th. I pray that he has found peace. He was a great father. Edie Cooper is thinking of Robert Cooper. Hello to my dad who passed away in 2009. He continues to leave us dimes, hundreds since he left us, as his way of letting us know he is near to us. Love you, dad. Matthew Bush is thinking of Robert and Dorothy Bush. Both my separated parents passed relatively close to each other a little over four years ago. I miss them both dearly. And I remember Robert being in our chats before he passed on. Joe D is thinking of David. Love to my late husband, David, 10 years ago in April and lost so young. Happy he's free of all this silliness, but so much love here still. Rita Gabriel is thinking of Mary Kay Pocock, my dear friend, returned to spirit on February 1st, 2014. Miss you in so many ways, but I know we will hang out in the afterlife. And finally, Tina Hansen is thinking of Dolores Marie Clark, thinking as every day of Dolores Marie Clark, my beautiful grandmother, my everything during her birthday month. I am who I am because she loved me. Oh, and that's a beautiful note to end on, but we are changed because of these people in our lives and they're still with us. Thank you everyone for sharing that. Awesome. Beautiful sentiments. Appreciate everybody being willing to let us a little bit into the, the lives of these wonderful people that we're thinking of here. It's time now for 
our games. Again, these were brought to us by our sponsor, Bruce Hanafi. Thank you, Bruce, for, for making this happen. We're going to start with oh, just a game that I get a warm feeling when I think about, which is Grading Swedenbot. <laughs> All right. Grading Swedenbot. So a little primer on Swedenbot is Swedenbot is an AI that we have fed all of Swedenborg's works to, and then Swedenborg, I mean, Swedenborg, Swedenbot, um, has absorbed them and then composes his own theological works. Um, and then these are excerpts from his uh, writings. He, you know, he has his own summer house that he writes <laughs> all the time. Um, and uh, so we have three, Swedenborg quotes, and then we get to give him some mentoring as the panel and tell him what we think of the uh, of his of his quips. So let's see what Swedenbot has for us today. Okay, <laughs> the Lord's Church is like the waters going forth onto the earth. Exclamation point. <laughs> waters. Well, <laughs> that's a little more animated than we find Swedenborg. Usually, but <laughs> but let's see. The Lord's church is, church is like the waters going forth onto the earth. It's not dramatically false, as in it's like a, it's a the feel is right. I would say there's some things that are lacking about it. I don't know, Karin, Chelsea. What do you think? I mean, Karin and Kara. Yeah, it's um, it's not it's not quite working for me. Um, because the truth, the truth is like the waters flowing, the living water, but the Lord's church is like us who are receiving the truth. So I don't know. I just picture people just <laughs> flowing, to, you know, like piles of people or something. So it's just not quite yeah. working for me. <laughs> yeah, right. Usually, I mean, the land or the earth usually symbolize the church. Yes. Good point. Good point. Um, receiving the water yeah that's right uh, yeah and so the water would more be like the truth of the truths of the church flowing into the earth i mean it's yeah. you know, it's it's lovely but it's not quite right no <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's c is a, a yeah i was gonna say a c or a b but let's do c because let's do c. That sounds it's not good. offensive but it's it's <laughs> not really close yep and it's it is sort of fun to see Swedenbot getting a little excited there. And <laughs> <laughs> just imagine that little boxy head smiley guy saying that in an excited robot voice. <laughs> Cutie. All right. Let's see the next one, Swedenbot. <laughs> okay. The Lord is the Redeemer. He is the Infinite One. Hmm. Uh, that's pretty good. Um, what do you... We first say infinite Ooh. one. I haven't thought about this, but I don't need to. No, go ahead. Go ahead Just, I was thinking about how Swedenborg talks about terms for God in different contexts. And I feel like the Redeemer, he just, he's when he's talking about Jesus in true Christianity, like that is Lord the Redeemer. And then the infinite one is sort of more of the like, philosophical like you're going to hear about the infinite one and divine love and wisdom and divine providence and so they're both entirely true statements mm -hmm. and yet 
like it's kind of uh what do you want to call it teasing hair splitting hairs but it's like i don't know if swedenborg would ever say those two things right next to each other yeah there it's like two-thirds of the trinity that he's got there the first one is the son the the second sentence is the father you know are yeah. uh, the swedenborgian trinity being different aspects of god not separate persons so yeah good point yeah um, i think that the most serious charge i would bring against this is that never never would swedenborg have two sentences that short in a row <laughs> <laughs> he would yeah. he would have commas where there are periods and then about four more lines before the sentence ends semicolons so, <laughs> and stuff like that yeah. yeah i mean i could i could see a b a because b? it's true it's just yeah. it's just a little garbled b yeah all right yeah. b yeah. great okay, we've got we've got one more let's see the lord came into the world to glorify it well, that's not quite the right word. Um, <laughs> it is such a tough crowd. It's just such a tough crowd. I know. We're so nitpicky. I'm so nitpicky. Just, he's like happily bringing forward these quotes he's made. <laughs> you got the peanut gallery. We're just brutal. Yes. No, but Karen, we, we, we need this. Tell us what's wrong with it. Well, glorify it, it I think, is something that can only happen to... The manifestation of God, not to the the physical level. The physical level is a little different. Like um, he can redeem it. He can fill it with his presence. I don't know. Glorify is just a step beyond, I think, what could happen to the physical level. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> Absolutely. I, I think the, la the he just got the, the last word wrong. The Lord <laughs> came into the world to glorify his human nature. That's right. His human nature. That's right. Not glorify the world itself. Yeah. Um, okay. What do we think? Is that is that a C or a B? Yeah, we can't really do. I maybe C. Um, another C. It's a C. Is it because it's wrong? It's an, it's inaccurate. But, it's not, but but if you use the word glorify to be transform, yeah, yes, he came True. to you know transform the world yeah. because yeah. because the earth was in trouble. Yeah, spiritual. But it's not. It's not technical enough, though. Right, so Swedenborg <laughs> wouldn't do that. He wouldn't just like say use glorifies. It's it just seems yeah. more like an emotional sentence. But no. Yep. So. Sorry, sorry, Swedenborg. If you're wanting to get get your PhD in Swedenborg, right? I mean, in Swedenborg writing. Yeah. Not quite there. there. Yeah. All right. All right. But it was good. a very good try. Very yeah, we good. love you anyway, Swedenborg. Yeah. We, we love you more than we ever have before. Okay. <laughs> now we're going to move on to our next game, which is guess that Swedenborg phrase. Oh, nice. All right. This is a game where our panel is going to try to guess this Swedenborg quote. And everyone can take turns guessing uh, letters uh, for every vowel that's correct. One point. Every correct consonant, five points. If you guess the whole phrase, you get 20 points. Um, guess wrong, you're out. And, uh, um, oh, what is negative five points? Shoot, I didn't, <laughs> something is negative five if you, if you Oh, guess, oh, you guess a wrong, a yeah. wrong letter, you, uh, uh, an incorrect letter, you get five points knocked off. 
And then the winner does not have to do the elevator pitch. So big, big stakes tonight. (laughs) Big motivator. Yes. So I think we are starting with Curtis. So what do you guess, Curtis? Okay. I'm going to guess L. Yes. There are two L's. A risky move. Yes. I'd like to guess the puzzle. Just kidding. (laughs) All right, is Chelsea next? No, Kara's next. I can't see the bottom of the Chelsea. Oh, I think I think I am, and hopefully all my wordling will do me good in this game. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go with T. Yes, there are five T's. Woo, that was a good guess. Nice. All right, still hard to guess though. Kara. Oh, how about out of the blue? Um F as in Frank? No, S as in Samuel. Oh. Okay, yes. We didn't buy. Three S's. Three S's as in snake. <clears throat> All right. We have our S's popping up. Oh. Okay. They're okay. in there. Okay. Yes, there they are. Okay. All right. Uh, we're back to Curtis. What do you guess? Okay. I'm going to guess R. Uh, there's one R. Wow. One Come on. R. Wait, I wanna, all, right. all right. On to Chelsea, who is currently in the lead. What do you guess, Chelsea? I'm going to guess H. Uh, yes, three H's. Yes. Nice. H's. All right. And Kara. Ooh, Chelsea's pulling way ahead. Hmm. How about a W? <clears throat> one W, yes. I- Yes, one W. Curtis, what do you guess? E. Mm-hmm. E, a vowel, our first vowel. Six E's. Oh my Ooh. goodness, look at all that. <laughs> Want to guess? Um, nope. All right, Chelsea. Um, I'm going to say mm, P, oh. but I don't know if there, I don't think that's going to have one. Yeah, yeah, there is. Yeah, there are three P's. Woo! Three letter P's. Kara. Well, how about M? Yep, a couple of M's. Focus here. Uh, Car- Curtis. Okay. Well, then I'll guess I. All right, the letter I, two I's. Curtis is helping us with the vowels. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, Chelsea. Okay. I don't see where the eyes went. Um, yeah, the screen has frozen. I think they're the uh, the two last words. The two. There yeah. we go. All right, Chelsea. Um, this is Swedenborg we're quoting here. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I'll give you a little hint that there would be commas in this one. <laughs> okay. Um, oh. oh, man. Uh, well, I guess I'm going to say A. All right. There are three A's. Going low with points, but yeah. you're way ahead. So you could. Yeah. Oh, we'll that. see. I don't know. The winner gets a lot. So <laughs> that's right. All right. Kara, what do you guess? I think it's time for some C's. 
Yes, three C. Oh, amazing. <laughs> All right, Cara, you want to guess yet? No. Okay, Curtis. By those first two lines. Uh, yeah, right. So, N. N, yes, three N's. Okay. Curtis, um, want to guess? <clears throat> nope. Okay, Chelsea. Uh, well, D. Yep, four Ds. Okay. Um, Lisa. Okay. <laughs> All right. Oh, my gosh. Ahead. Yeah, no, I'm not going to guess, but it's right on the tip of my tongue. Okay, Cara. Yeah, I think I'm going to guess a Y and then guess it. All right, one Y. Please, though. Do not muddle your concepts with time and space. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, wow, that's great. That does not sound like Swedenborg to me, but. Yeah, yeah Swedenborg would have got a low grade for that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's in Divine Love and Wisdom 51, so you can look it up. <laughs> but yeah, that was not as uh, your typical phrase from Swedenborg. Yeah. <laughs> he's appealing to us to please. He's trying to explain something, but he is trying to say, please <laughs> listen to me, but try to not muddle your thinking with. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. So that, so this, so the, let me just talk about the drama of this ending because as you saw, Kara guessed it, but because Chelsea was so far ahead, Oh. Chelsea still won by three oh, points. I forgot to look at the final score. But, Chelsea. But, but now here's the dramatic twist because all the Chelsea fans are like, yeah, and the Cara fans are like, what? But <laughs> the thing that nobody saw coming is we are about to make Chelsea's win not mean anything because <laughs> we're so far over time <laughs> that we can't do the elevator pitch. It's got to carry over to next time. It will. It, okay. All right. Next time. Next time, if it comes up, Chelsea, it can be me that does it or something like that. We'll we'll talk to Matt. We'll get this figured out. But um, thanks, everybody. That this, that was super fun. The whole thing, the questions, um, the games, it was great. And thank you for all the donations. We had 12 donors, raised $465. We really appreciate your support. It's how we can do what we do. If you're watching after the live broadcast and you want to contribute, just go to offtheleft.com slash donate. Your money will still go to supporting the mission of the Swedenborg Foundation. And um, thank you, everyone. I, I, if you got a closing thought, I'd love to hear it. Kara, uh, we'll start with you. Well, uh, just delightful hour. And um, I really needed to hear some of the things that you panelists said. So thank you. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. And I'm so grateful to get to be here and uh, share in this community. I really love talk about that spiritual network. I feel connected to everybody. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you, everybody, for being here. It's just such a blessing and a privilege. Thanks for your supportive presence and donations and questions. <laughs> yeah, I see. I see in the chat people, there's an uproar about the elevator pitch and it's like, hey, Right now, you're going through a spiritual trial, right? And God, God's not going to let go of you until you get something good. Out. He'll bring good out of missing the elevator pitch. We'll have to do two, two next time or something. Yeah, we'll do two. Oh, this yeah. is, this is my, 
It's my fault. I, I, I let the questions go too long. Stop asking good questions and we'll have more time for the games. <laughs> Maybe All we right. can do one in the middle uh, at the time of the raffle. We'll do yeah. or something. We'll figure we'll something figure out. out something out. Thank you, everybody. See you all later. Hey. Bye. Bye. Good night. Bye, everybody.